It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornstein. Well, everybody, welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornstein. I'm the senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley right here in Colorado Springs. And we have a very special program for you today. In fact, this is going to be a two-part program, so our guests are going to have to come back because we have a room full of special guests here today. Of course, with me is Mike Mallinger, our co-host. Welcome back, my friend. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you, John. It's great to be back again. Well, we have been excited by this one because we have a panel of guests who many of you have heard on this program and others. They're influencers throughout the community, and they try to be a voice of reason in this culture. It seems like uh, that's what we need today more than ever. Uh, They've got a lot of opinions on our subject today, and that particular subject, one that I think you will find very fascinating, quite interesting, and one to probably keep you on the edge of your seat. We're going to be talking about the parties Democrats, Republicans, and Christians. As Christians, how should we vote? As Christians, how do we evaluate the parties? Oh boy, this is a subject that probably could take us a month or more to get through. But over the next couple weeks in this roundtable discussion, we're going to talk about the issues that divide the parties and the Christian response. As Christians, we're Christians first. And then we have the responsibility of evaluating each candidate and each party to ensure we are selecting capable individuals who align best with the teachings of God's Word. In Hosea 8.4, we are told to seek God for the leaders of the nation. Now, George Washington believed that political parties would be damaging to the American society and needed to be avoided. Yet the politics of the 1790s, like the United States today, was was dominated by the arguments of two distinct political groups, the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists. The the political parties of the 1790s emerged because of disagreements over three main issues, the nature of government, the economy, and foreign policy. Alexander Hamilton was a leader of the Federalists, and Thomas Jefferson was a leader of the Anti-Federalists. It was also known as the Democratic Republicans. The Federalists would eventually become the National Republican Party in 1825, and the Anti-Federalists, the Democratic Party in 1828. Now, the Pew Research Center, they conducted a survey in 2017 and found that 37% of registered voters now identify as independents. 33% as Democrats and 26% as Republicans. But when you take out the partisan leanings of these independents and take into account how they vote, 50% either identify as Democrats or lean Democratic, while 42% identify as Republicans or lean Republican. This is why the Democrats want to eliminate the Electoral College established by the U.S. Constitution to try to take elections by large city registered and unregistered voters, as well as citizens and illegal residents alike. Now, the top priorities of the Democratic Party, according to Nancy Pelosi in October of 2018, she summarized about 10 and actually added an 11th to this, was number one, lowering health care costs, rebuilding infrastructure, more transparency, legal status to immigrants, gun control was number five, opposition to the border wall, the Equality Act that we've spoken of to, to a great deal here on this program, abortive services that they put under the guise of protection of women's rights, and even social programs, and then later adding the impeachment of the President of the United States. 
Now, in this list, you won't find anything about the federal budget, international relations, such as those with Israel, homeland security, or even the sanctity of human life. Now, the Pew Research Group then decided to take a poll of the U.S. citizens and ask them what they thought the top five priorities were for both parties. So of Republicans, the top five as the the citizens of these United States, as they thought them best, the top five from their perspective, was number one, terrorism prevention, the economy and balanced trade and tax cuts, Social Security, Homeland Security, and the military. That's what they believe the top five were. It's interesting, if you go back to 1999, you'll see that morality was actually considered in the top five for the Republican Party. Uh, Democrats, as the U.S. citizens would best determine or perceive their top priorities to be, was number one, health care, number two, education, the environment and climate change, Medicare, and then serving the poor and needy. So, Mike, our first question then is to you on this, because as the co-host of this roundtable, as you assess the landscape today, how would you summarize what the top priorities are for both parties or, or what the perception is of the narrative of each party? For example, what, what do they really stand for from your perspective? Well, I, I think that uh, the Republican Party right now is very concerned with security of the country, uh, our borders, terrorism. Mm. It, it it's a big concern for a lot of people. We don't want another 9-11. We don't want people pouring over our borders. Mm. And, uh, you know, I think that's where it comes from. And I believe they're trying to shore up Social Security because, you know, we need to come up with better ways to keep the Social Security system intact rather than pilfering money from it all the right, time. Right, and, right. And that's what happens. And... Uh, the economy, balanced taxes, taking care of tariffs, you know, because we've heard it all along, you know, the president, he's he's going to raise tariffs and that's going to devastate our economy. Uh, but right. so far, everybody has called the bluff and said, okay, we'll do it. Right, right. And uh, on the Democrats, they're all about health care. They want a single payer health care. And I don't know how that's going to work because I have to deal with government health care and it's not uh, fun. Right. And uh, education... I'm sorry, I don't know that they can dumb down the education system any more than it is right now. We don't have American history in school. They're not really teaching math. I mean, what are they teaching in school besides tests and how to be good little whatever right, they're right. coming out as right now? I yeah. mean, yeah, anybody that has kids know what their kids are saying when they come home from school. That's right. And, you know, and I, I think our education system right now is kind of overpowered with, with liberals. And I think that's the voters' to start with right because when you get to that end of the voting you're looking at who are these people on the boards of education or the college boards and you just say okay bang 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 you have no idea who they are or, right, or what right. they believe in and uh medicare medicare they, they just want medicare for everybody hmm. so something that that we've paid into you know they just want to give it to everybody right right and uh uh social programs <laughs> When are they going to end? Why don't we teach people how to take care of themselves, how to get a job? Our economy is booming right now. There's jobs beyond belief. We have great job numbers right now, but we're still on this poor and needy. Well, let's do something and help the poor and needy to get what they need. Right. And uh, the environmental. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I don't even know where to start there. I mean, they're all about the environment, but... Yeah. 
it, it's just not working. The environment is the environment. If you ask a meteorologist, it's just climate is cyclic. That's just what happens. Right, right. It isn't quite the urgency that perhaps is perceived yeah, the, or, or the, the narrative, thing, right? Like, we're going into an ice age. We need to do this. We're going into this. We need to do that. And so far, none of it's happened. Right, shackling small businesses yes, and production yeah, and manufacturing and so forth. Yeah. Right, putting yeah. unreal, unrealistic expectations on business. Right. as far as climate and environment. Yeah. Well, let me just introduce our other panel guests real quick. And uh, and obviously you've heard them as you're listening to this broadcast right now, you've heard these voices on the program before, but Karen Mallinger, uh, always great to have you back. Brian Sullivan and Wade Wilson, uh, all I- incredible voices in the community trying to bring reason into this this discussion. And so uh, I know the three of you probably have some thoughts on this perspective as well, just of, of what you believe these parties stand for. If, if you were to go and interview somebody on the street right now, uh, what might be just a couple things that you would think that they would perceive? Because we hear a lot of the narratives. Can you summarize what you think that uh, maybe in a nutshell, if I have just a man on a street interview, what do you think they're saying right now? Well, as far as I'm concerned, the difference between the two parties is the democratic party wants the collective rights to override the individual rights. Mm-hmm. And the Republican party wants the individual rights to override the collective rights. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's a nutshell. Right. That Centralized government versus mm-hmm. power to the people. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. on education, education is, is frustrating to me. Just um, the way the education system seems to go, the way people are being led younger, the youth are being led into everybody's. I mean, college has been a goal for families for, I mean, generations. Forever. Right. You know, send your kid to college. People want to make the money to, to their savings since they're infants or pre-born. You know, they're saving for a child's college. But there's so many people that push college uh, and, the, and, the, and the pressure on kids nowadays, right. the schools, uh, the curriculums to, to get to uh, the credits to be able to build college, to, to build for college. It's, it's, it's almost overwhelming to me, it seems like, with some of the uh, – we just inter- – we, we had a, um, a young girl live with us for about nine months. She was going to a trade school. Mm. And it's, it's considerably you know, cheaper than college, um, but she can go right to work uh, after nine months, 13 months mm-hmm. of school, um, get a great education in this trade, and, and she's a productive person in society. You know, she's not overwhelmed in debt. She has some debt. She's not, yeah. you know, she's not looking at a hundred thousand dollars, right? You know, of debt. Um, so, to me, education is is needs needs to be revamped to where it's just not so overbearing and expensive on a family. Right. And that may be the public, just educating the public in general yeah. of the value of an education. Often they just think, I've got to go to a four-year college, and I don't even know what I really want to do with myself. So by exactly. the time they figure it out, they've already accumulated yes. a thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 bill that uh, sticks with them. For, I mean, you can't yes. claim bankruptcy even and get out of that. Yeah. That's, that's mm-hmm. a commitment, and, and there's a lot of money trail behind that, as we know. Uh, Karen, any thoughts to this as well? I think one of the things that you hear most often concerning the two parties is that the Democrats are the party of the poor man. Mm. That is so untrue and so inaccurate. Over 50% of the current Congress are multimillionaires. Mm. For them to come out and claim that they are there for the little man and for the man that's not making any money, it, it's disingenuine. The Republicans are seen as the party of the rich, again. Mm. Now, a lot of them, yes, are are wealthy, but it's because the Republican Party, I believe, 
tends more towards capitalism, whereas the Democrats do not. They are more, you'll see that their platform is mostly social programs. Mm -hmm. They're all about the social programs. They're all about the welfare. They're all about women's rights. They're all about all of these different climate change to the detriment of the capitalistic society that we have built that ensures if you go out and you work hard, you will be successful. Yeah. If you put in the effort, you can be successful. But they have a progressive bent, and they are breeding a generation, multiple generations of dependent people. Mm. And so that's where we fall into a trap. Well, let me set you up for the next question then, because according to the Pew Research Group, the majority of the top 30 denominations and religious groups in the United States vote Republican. So, so Karen, kind of building on what we were just talking about, why does the Republican Party tend to be the party of the Christian majority? Quite frankly, I am pretty disappointed in both parties right now, but I think <laughs> they support our Constitution as mm. it was written. They support the values that we have had in this nation for hundreds of years, and because of that, the Christians tend more toward that. We are not as concerned as Christians on some of these social programs that are put out by the other side that actually are not helping those people but harming them. Yeah. Uh, multi-generational welfare, uh, the abortion debate, the transgenderism, mm. putting that into the military, all of these social programs don't jive with the way that Americans and Christians particularly believe. Mm -hmm. And so you know, we have an identity. If you say, I am, and fill that in with a Democrat, I am a Christian, I am a Republican, mm. with each of those identities comes a platform and a belief system yes. that you are identifying with. Right. If I say I am a Christian, I am identifying with Christian morality Mm. and what the Word of God says I should be and should be doing. Mm. And that's so right. the Republicans come closest because that's my number one identity. Nothing else comes above that. I am not a Republican over a Christian. I'm a Christian first. So right. everything else that I do has to fall under that. Right. And, and their platform and their belief system most closely identifies with well, let me just piggyback on that for a moment, because here in front of me is a voter guide. And this was for the 2018 primaries, specifically for the state of California. Now, the state of California tends to really, you know, become the uh, test case, the, the subject for how, how the rest of the nation seems to be going. We certainly see that here in Colorado as well. Uh, there were six candidates for governor, and four of them were Democrats and stood in direct opposition to these categories. They were directly opposed to educational choices for parents, for parents to choose where they wanted their ch children to go, homeschooling options, gun ownership rights, so gun ownership rights, reduced regulation on small businesses, lower taxes, border security, protection of Christian business owners, tax exemption for churches, same-sex counseling and resources from a Christian worldview, life preservation in the womb, and parental consent for abortion. So they were they were directly opposed to these, four of these. Now, and these were the Democrats. Now, the two candidates they opposed those views were both Republicans 
And when they asked everyone of all six candidates who were the Christians, the two Christians were the Republicans. Now, I got to see some of this firsthand. This is, I'm not trying to be overtly critical here. I'm just trying to give the facts. The reality is I spent over a decade in Washington, D.C. trying to call a nation to prayer for the National Day of Prayer. And as a vice chairman of the National Day of Prayer, we would try to be bipartisan as much as possible. Both sides of the aisle come together, pray for our nation. And in 2013, we needed an executive branch representative, someone who could come and and, and represent that branch. We couldn't find one pro-life candidate, and the only one we did find was Ray LaHood. And Ray LaHood was the Secretary of Transportation, and he was a Republican. Couldn't find a Democrat. And the only Democrat that actually would come out in a public way to represent prayer and, and uniting the nation under the banner of under God... Uh, it was Mike McIntyre, and after him, we were we were hard pressed to find another. In Proverbs fourteen thirty one tells us that we insult God if we oppress the poor. So Wade, to you, this is a, I think a good question for you. Why is it that there is a perception that the Democrats fight for the poor, while Republicans fight for the rich? Um, I think that comes down to the point that the Democrats control the narrative. So mm-hmm. about an hour ago, I was talking to my daughter, mm-hmm. who's a third year. Uh, student at uh, Colorado State University, and I asked her what her perceptions of the De- Democratic Party and the Republican Party. This is somebody who steers away from a conversation like this. This kind of conversation doesn't happen in my household because nobody wants to hear it. Um, <laughs> so she basically made it sound like if you look at the Democrats in Congress, in the government, they tend to all, th- th- this was her words, they tend to all be people who are ethnically diverse and have all come from rags to riches where all the Republicans appear to be rich white men who have had money from the get go. Mm. That, that was her perception of, so you're talking about, she's not a millennial, but she's close. Right. And she's voting this year or, you know, this next, next cycle. So, um, I, I, the Republicans just don't put out the narrative correctly. Um, but once again, it's the hand out versus the hand up. Um, Mm. And when I brought that up to my daughter and she's like, well, when has a handout ever helped anybody? Mm, Exactly. And I'm like, well, okay, well, you're speaking common sense now. And that's, that's where things get a little, little, (laughs) little wonky, but I do believe, I think it's because it's just like right now, Mike brought it up. Our economy is, I think in every category, statistically, it is the greatest it's ever been. And yet you listen to the democratic uh, debates and they'll tell you that it's not. And mm-hmm. so it's the con- it's the concept of okay we're it's bright blue su- sunshine outside but then somebody else can say no it's completely dark and there are people out there that will believe that it's completely dark when it's not so the Democrats have a very good way of controlling the narrative mm. um, it has a lot to do with the fact that most of these young kids are in liberal colleges yeah. where they they don't get any diversity of thought of of opinion um, but I do, I do I think that the Democrats have been so successful at controlling the narrative, that that's why there's that perception that, mm-hmm. that the Republicans only want tax cuts for the 1% and Democrats want all these social, you know, because they have a heart, you know, the bleeding heart liberal. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know I, I, I think it's important to notate here the fact of what you brought up, that it is the Republicans who fight for tax cuts 
uh, for all of us. And I certainly have benefited from that as well. It's the Republicans who fight for free trade and opportunity. So there's this lie being perpetuated that big government is the answer to solving all the issues when history demonstrates time and time again that big government leads to bigger problems. So dependency on the government is not the answer. If a man desires to eat, he must work, according to Second Thessalonians 3.10 and Proverbs 16.26. So, Mike, this is probably a more personal uh, question for you, because as having been a first responder for so many years, captain of a fire department, having served our nation the way you have, why is it that you believe that first responders, even specifically fire and police, why do they tend to vote Republican? Well, I, I think with the fire department, I think it's more the upper part of the fire department that's voting conservative. Mm. I, I think the lower rank tends to follow the union, and a lot of union shops will do that. And the the hold that the union has to vote Democrat, like the firefighters union is already endorsed Biden. The primaries yeah. haven't even happened, but they've endorsed Biden to the disagreement of Thousands of dues-paying firefighters, they have endorsed Biden. Mm. Uh, remember when Chris Dodd ran? Yeah. yeah. They, they backed him during the primaries. It's like the kiss of death because <laughs> he didn't make it out of the primaries. Right. So yeah. I, and I think a lot of it is because we see firsthand what's happening in the world. Right. It, it's when we're out, it's not, you know, roses yeah. and sunshine. I mean, it just, it's yeah. not. And, and I have to think, you know, from what police have to see, law enforcement, and they deal with it on a daily basis, an hourly basis. It just, they right. see what the social programs are doing to this country. And, you know, right now the narrative of, you know, evil white man and or toxic masculinity or mm. like, like Wade just said, you know, rich white man. Yeah. And... So I, I think that they see this this white law enforcement officer, and now it's black officers. I was watching a program, and they came after him and started the racial thing. And he said, he said, wait a minute, do you see what color I am? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't give me the racial stuff. So right. they see all the stuff that's happening, the racial stuff, the, and it's it just con constant. It's just a never-ending barrage right from our news media down to that, you know, once you get everybody convinced that it is the evil white man and it's racist and anything you disagree with is racist, homophobe, or put whatever label you want to put on it. Right, right. And, and you know, Karen, I think this is going to fall right to you as well, because having served our country in the Navy and having done such a remarkable job, and I mean, I know the reputation precedes you, but so you could speak to the military on this as well, that I have seen the statistics, active and retired, that they do tend to vote Republican as well. Why do you think that is? Well, um, I the Democrats have a tradition of being anti-military. Yeah. I have served under the Ford administration, the Clinton administration, the Carter administration, the Reagan administration, the Bush administration. Hmm. And I can tell you that I got to see in my paycheck who was supportive of the military and who was not. Clinton did more drawdowns during his tenure as president. I was in San Francisco at the time. He closed five bases in the San Francisco area alone. Mm. 
You have no idea the economic impact, not only to the military personnel, because we can go somewhere else. All of the civilians that were employed there, out of work now because of those decisions to shut down those bases. Five in one area. It was ridiculous. I remember when President Reagan came into office, we received a 13% pay raise. Everybody in the military was ecstatic because they're all working under the poverty level. Mm. For the first 10 years that I was in the military, I was under the poverty level and I was eligible for food stamps and welfare Hmm. in the military because they are working at such a low level and the Democrats do nothing to help that. It is the Republican Party that gives us the pay raises that we need. They give us the money in the Pentagon so that we can have the training we need. They give us the money we need for the equipment that is essential for us to be safe and to defend the country. The Democrats spend all their time pushing social programs, putting military uh, women into combat, forcing the gay agenda and the transgender agenda into the military instead of concentrating on the things that the fighting forces need. In a recent poll that was conducted by um, Military Times, the military was asked about the Obama administration and whether they were, whether it was favorable, highly favorable, not favorable, or less favorable. 51.5% of the military during his tenure of eight years, right after, rated him as very unfavorable or somewhat unfavorable, and 12.1 were neutral. Wow. That's a lot. It is. Because he did nothing, and we had Benghazi in the middle of that, and we had other issues where the our soldiers weren't being protected. Right. And so I think that's what goes in it because the guys, the boots on the ground, they see what's happening. They see the lack of support, especially during a Democratic president's reign. Yeah, yeah. And so, well, we, we're out of time, just like that. <laughs> and we have so much more to cover. So for those of you listening who are interested to hear more about this dialogue, I'm going to keep these folks here. We're going to continue this dialogue, and we're going to share with you over the next couple weeks how this conversation continues to unfold, because perhaps we've, we've got your attention. Maybe you're on the fence on these issues, and you really just need more direction because the gap seems to be growing wider. Uh, between the parties and what they believe in the morality issues that are at stake here is we may even feel like we're compromising what it means to be a Christian in this day and age and may it never be. So how do we vote? How do we come alongside one party or the other? And I, and that's the, some of the more questions we've got to ask here and, and discuss right here on Engage in Truth. So I want to thank you for listening. We're going to continue this. So stand by for the next part. For all of you who are uh, really just chomping at the bit for more information, you can always visit us at Calvary Fountain com, calvaryfountain.com. We'd love to dialogue with you, pray with you through all these issues, and we'd love to worship with you. This is a program, a ministry of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley right here in Colorado Springs. Again, you can learn more at calvaryfountain.com. God bless you. We'll see you next week.